and welcome to the Hard Guy Media Podcast, and we are here with Brian Tyler, Eric Tyler. Tyler. Oh, shut up, Sean. Eric Tyler, <laughs> and I just have my name ready, Sean Harrison. Okay, <laughs> and we're gonna we're here today to one celebrate the one year anniversary of this podcast. Yeah, and uh, we did part one. Of the celebratory episode. There's two episodes, obviously. The first one being Fred Decker's Night of the Creeps. And this one is on Fred Decker's The Monster Squad. The greatest, arguably the greatest movie ever made. Very arguably. There's a lot of great movies that came out in 87. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, uh, to touch on a couple things before we dive into The Monster Squad, which we have to preface that this is Mr. Eric Tyler's favorite movie of all time. Of all time, yes. Love it. So, uh, Eric, what now that we've been doing these, uh, we've been doing this podcast for a year. What are some of your favorite episodes, either that you've that you've been a part of and that you haven't been a part of, that you are think are some of your favorite episodes that, of this podcast that we've done? Uh, well, let me start off by saying the one I think was my favorite one to listen to that I wasn't part of was, I believe, the St. Patty's Day Leprechaun one. <laughs> <laughs> that that was arguably our worst podcast. <laughs> Well, I think that's kind of what, I think it was just, uh, I don't know, it was a hilarious shit show, I kind of want to say. <laughs> right? I mean, I feel like it was just uh, a lot of chaos, but no, that was probably my favorite one to listen to. There was a lot of a lot of uh, swearing, and uh, it was a lot of comedic value of that one, so that's probably my favorite one. Yeah, I've noticed so, upon, upon listening to other horror podcasts... I think we run the Scarface like uh, angle with like the most swearing. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'm the culprit of that. I got no problem saying that, but I mean, we also have more banter than I feel like everybody else just kind of like talks civil civilly to each other, and the rest of us, like all of us, we just tear each other apart. I think maybe um, we should do a, a count uh, someday of uh, of all the swearing. At the end of the episode, we could just announce how many swear words there were. But yeah, we should. If anybody's listened to any of these episodes, you can get a swear count on each episode. <laughs> That'd be ideal. But what are some of your favorite episodes that you've been a part of that you think were uh, some of your favorites? Uh, just recently, I thought the scream one, one the scream one, was really fun. Yeah, that one was a blast. It was all of us, and it was fun. I think me, like one that comes to mind, when it was just like me and you was. Uh, the Slayer one was really good as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I know those are more recent. Thinking back on the older ones, probably, I don't know, the Schwarzenegger one was pretty fun. And Stephen King. It's so yeah. tough. Right, Stephen King and Schwarzenegger. So. But it's definitely uh, it's definitely been a time doing this, for sure. Yeah, it's been a great. And uh, plenty more to come, too, so. Absolutely. It's been, it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride so far. So, uh, let's, let's dive, uh, well, actually, real quick, how about we just, uh, how about we get some of your, uh, thoughts on Night of the Creeps before we dive directly into Monster Squad? Because we already, we already just discussed Night of the Creeps, but what are some of your, uh, thoughts on Night of the Creeps? Uh, yeah, I mean, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I think, um, in my eyes of, like, the, of the time it came out, I feel like it's kind of underrated. Of a movie, I don't oh, know. I, yeah. feel like it, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough. Um, me personally, it's one of my favorite movies of that uh, 
you know that time frame and i just, i don't know i love it it's super it's one of those just super fun super hilarious but i love uh obviously having tom atkins in it who's uh probably his classics and just it, another another fred decker film so yeah I, it, but at I, least I, for me maybe tom atkins best role like his most like uh poignant role is like what we like when we think of when I think of Tom Atkins, I th- immediately think of Night of the Creeps. This is his favorite yeah. movie that he's been a part of. What was that? I didn't hear that. Sean said that Atkins has said that he that Atkins reveres it as his favorite movie that he's been a part of. Yeah, that's probably, and like I said, that's kind of what I and that's exactly kind of what I say when I mean underrated too, because I feel like when you talk Atkins or like Decker or like people or like that, the horror films of that, um, that time frame, I feel like you never hear about none of the creeps. So that's the first thing that comes to mind with me is underrated, but super fun movie. Like I said, great cast with lively and, uh, Tom Atkins. So, but another, so, another one that I love. So we made a discovery or at least I, I, I did. And I brought it up on that episode was, uh, because we always talked about like how the aliens at the beginning of the movie, like one of the aliens has gone rogue and is throwing the fucking little canister of the leeches off the, off the, off the ship, right? <clears throat> so I, as I was watching it recently, I noticed that that alien is the one with the whited out eyes. So the those leeches have in, invaded his brain, and that's why he's gone rogue. Because the other one's eyes aren't messed up like the other zombies. Or like the or like the other aliens, like his eyes are like that zombified, like like clouded eye, like the the people are after their brains are invaded. So his brain got invaded by these experimental leeches that they were working with, and they were chasing him, trying to not let him get the canister out of the ship. And he, that's why he that alien went rogue and fucking let the canister out of the ship. Wow. And where did you? Is that just from watching it, or... Yeah, like, I had never... I was just like, oh, like, one of these guys went rogue, and he's just running away, and they're shooting at their own guy. But then I, I realized when they panned to the other aliens that were shooting at this this uh, fucking... This rogue uh, mischief maker, I was like, oh, shit, his eyes are all fucked up. He's been invaded by the fucking zombies, because their other, the other eyes of the other aliens on the ship were not. Yeah, something obviously I didn't uh, realize as well. Well, I, like I said, I've seen the movie. I've at least seen the movie probably forty to fifty times. I've never picked up on that prior. That's crazy. What about how about BT and Sean? No, I think no, I no. think like yeah, like those two and Lou. You guys never noticed it before, right? Right. No, we've been really super confused beginning the movies. Like why? Is now I yeah. yeah. Now I want to watch it all over again, or at least the <laughs> beginning. <laughs> I will admit it has been a while since I since I've seen that of creeps. I do own it, but I haven't uh, I haven't watched it in quite a while. Yeah, you uh, you definitely got to kick that one on for sure. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's Jason Lively on the. <laughs> Did he respond on your Instagram? Right, Jason Lively. Uh, I didn't, I don't think I responded to him, but yes, Jason Lively did. No, yeah, like he sent you a message, or like said cool or something, right? Yeah, he like, uh, I can't remember what he said, but he commented on our Night of the Creeps post, so that was uh, cool to see him. Uh, did I tag him? I think I tagged him, and that's how he saw it, but that's, yeah. uh, it's pretty interesting that he fucking, uh, commented on it, so hopefully he listens. You know what? I didn't even mention it on the podcast the time that I met Jason Lively. Oh, Yeah. How, Which, how was he in person? Oh, he thrilled me. He was like, <laughs> he was just a, a super cool, like he came off really natural. 
friendly guy. Yeah, he seems like he would. He seems like he would be one of the few that weren't, weren't jaded, as most of them are. Though, watch it, Brian. You're gonna fucking fall on your face. Yeah, but it just it just happens that he's like related to people that are yeah super yeah famous like, now. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Blake Lively is married to Ryan Reynolds, which is his sister. Blake Lively is his sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Or his half sister. Half sister, whatever the shit. I'd, I'd call her my But sister. let's do it, boys. Let's dive dick deep in the Monster Squad. Yeah. Let's do it. 1987, Fred Decker. Uh, I mean, obviously a classic. We talked about how Night of the Creeps is like a classic creature feature film. Um, and this is a classic, uh, you know, re- revamp of Universal Monsters all in one shot. With a modern '80s twist, it's it's everything you could want in a movie from the '80s. As a horror fan, I I, I think at least from my eyes, because as a kid seeing it, I fucking like fell in love as soon as I saw it. So when was the first time everyone saw it? And we'll uh, we'll start with Sean and we'll work our way around. So Sean, Brian, myself, and we'll end with ET because it's ET's favorite. So I'm very interested to hear his. Uh, more than the rest of ours. But, Sean, when was the first time you found Monster Squad? Um, I think I played on Sci-Fi. I think I was, like, eight or nine. And I watched it with my mom. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I watched Monster Squad. Nice. Brian? I was very too young to remember, like, exactly which time I first saw it. But, obviously, it was with Eric. Yeah. I think I, every time I watched it, it was with Eric. Now, I can't remember exactly the first time that I saw it. But I remember finding out what the name of it was and then renting it at the video store and i was like fuck i was like that's the fucking name of that movie and i can't remember honestly i can't remember at all how i remember finding out about the name of the movie it might even been like on tv and i flipped to channel 22 or whatever to see the channel guide fucking rolling up and i finally got the name of it and went to the video store and found it and and i was just like rediscovered it because i remember seeing it at even a younger age and i think at that point i was probably like 10 or 11 or 12 um and i was like oh fuck yes like i remember this and from that point on like knowing what it was it obviously wasn't out on dvd and the the long the funny little story behind it all was i was friends with brian and we're talking like early to mid 2000s and him saying that you uh being you eric uh had a fucking bootleg copy of it so i was just like oh fuck how the fuck did he get a dvd copy of the monster squad yeah yeah definitely that was uh i had a bootleg copy of it i think you got it on ebay maybe uh but yeah so what was the what was your first introduction to the monster squad so i think i was like i think i was like eight or nine and uh you know, right around that age, and I was I was actually with my cousin David, we we're at my aunt and uncle's house, and it it came on HBO. I remember it used to run on HBO back in the day a lot. I've heard other people say that too that they saw it on HBO for the first time. So that was the first time I ever saw it, and like literally from then I was hooked. And then I found out that it was showing again on HBO like later on that night. So uh, if you remember recording stuff with like a VHS team, oh yeah, VHS team. So I would like had to. You know, I was obviously young, and I didn't know where I would be able to, and where we're from. Obviously, there's not a lot of places to go out and just buy more obscure films or any films at that time. You know, not at that time living in Canastota, New York at yeah, all. Yeah, exactly. So I, 
you know, they had all these tapes. I grabbed a tape and uh, and I recorded it. And I remember I had that was like one of my most prized possessions was that uh, recorded over HBO version of the Monster Squad. So That's great. That was the first time, and like seeing it, like that was like one of the first movies of like the horror genre kind of that I can recall like seeing and like it sticking with you, you know, and you like actually love it and know it. That was like one of the first movies that I actually like fell in love with. Like before that, it's kind of you're kind of just watching whatever and. Uh, but that movie was like, I don't know, I was just like obsessed with it. So that was like the first time I recall ever seeing it was uh, on HBO back in the day. Can yeah. I ask you something? Yeah. Did I, did I get you that uh, bootleg DVD as a gift? I don't think so, oh, but... Uh, I thought I did. My memory's a little shot, but... Uh, <laughs> could have, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. But... but I, I mean, We'll talk about the releases of it, or like how it was released later. But yeah, uh, for the, I know for the longest time it was only on the Vestron. Uh, well, Vestron put it out on, on VHS, but um, obviously not the easiest thing to find back in the day. So, so, um, a, and it got its release in it was summer '87, right, Eric? Yeah, August '87. Uh, what, like August, uh, early August? So. Okay, August, so August um, it was like the fourteenth, I think August fourteenth. So uh, you made a comment about you made a comment about the Lost Boys, like beating obviously being like the one of the higher uh, grosses at the box office in that summer '87. So you made a comment about that. So I'm pretty sure the Lost Boys didn't the Lost Boys come out the week before that. It or came like out Ju- July thirty first, nineteen eighty seven. Yeah, so that's like what, like yeah, that's like right before that. So. I'm sure a lot of people know this if they know the Monster Squad. The Monster Squad was a huge bust in the theaters, like disgusting it, bust. Like, see, I didn't, I didn't know that. I honestly wasn't was, even sure if it had like a a wide theatrical so release per se. It caught the budget for the film was actually higher than I thought it was, but it was twelve million dollar budget they had for the Monster Squad. And yeah, it, and it only made like a little over three million. Jeez. And it was it was only it was taken out of theaters early. So it, it was, was a disaster. Big, yeah, it was a, like I think um, I can recall like uh, hearing Fred Decker saying that he like went to see it once like when it opened and there was like seven people in the theater maybe. So Jesus, um, it was a huge huge bust in the theaters and it was it wasn't even in the theaters for two weeks. I guess they pulled it early and it had a fairly big budget. I mean the movie when it um, like they wanted this thing to be huge obviously so like. You know, you had, you know, you had the Goonies two years before that. Obviously, it's always a comparison. Like people compare the Monster Squad to the Goonies all the time. Right. It would. It was more of a a horror fans Goonies. Yeah, and the and the Goonies was obviously huge, a big success. And like I said, like you had like the you know a week and a half, two weeks before that, you had the Lost Boys, which was a huge success with with the vampires and stuff. But I don't know, just the Monster Squad was a, was a huge bust and. Uh, when they did the, um, you can find pictures of this online. When they did the like the red carpet or the premiere of it, like there was huge stars there. Like really, like uh, I think you can look it up. Like Schwarzenegger was there. Sean Sean brought this up recently, and I wasn't even aware of this that there was a picture taken with with Arnold and uh, Arnold and and the cast of the Monster Squad. Yeah, there's and you can look it up online because I've done it before. You can find the pictures of. Like Michael Douglas is there. 
What Kiefer, the fuck? Yeah, like Kiefer Sutherland is there. Was Decker um, dealing coke to all these guys? Like, how did they show like, up there? I've definitely seen pictures of Kiefer, Arnold, and Michael Douglas. Like, they're like, because like uh, the people who played the monsters, like, actually dressed up at the premiere, like for, like the like the Carl Thibault dude. Like, he like was the Wolfman, and everyone dressed up. So you could that's find so the sick. Really easy. And another thing, like I posted about this on the on the anniversary. Like Adidas, Adidas like sponsored the film. I like, saw that one kid, EJ's fucking like co-pilot, was wearing that fucking sick Adidas jersey. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, and if you look at the, if you watch the film, I actually rewatched it last night. But um, throughout the whole movie, like Sean's wearing Adidas. There's a part where he's wearing an Adidas jacket. Yeah, yeah. There's a part, there's a part like when they go into the town square at the end where um, they throw like uh, the father gets thrown into the box of Adidas shoes. So yeah, like Adidas was like a main sponsor. So this movie like definitely had a huge budget and like I it think had it, some it back. Was, it had yeah, it had like you know some. People were behind it. It, like, it wasn't just like thrown out into you know yeah, like, the fucking wind. Um, like some bigger actors. The only one I know confirmed. Like I'm pretty sure Liam Neeson uh, tried out for the the Dracula role, but he he didn't get. Damn, it. that would have been that, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously like at that time Liam Neeson wasn't like huge, huge. He wasn't like huge by any means, but. It still would be cool to look back on it. So no, but like I said, like I think obviously all the intentions of this film, a big budget, and uh, but yeah, just just a blunder in the theaters. Now I I noticed all the watching it obviously uh, earlier. I watched you know I haven't rewatched it. I haven't watched it in probably uh, two years. But after rewatching it, I I had kind of taken note notice of all the Pepsi in it, and obviously I think Pepsi was so. I got looking and I saw that Burger King was there and I was just like, did Burger King ever have Pepsi? And sure as shit, I look it up and Burger King had Pepsi until 1990. Um, and 1990, yep. they switched uh, over to Coke. So at the time, Burger King was, uh, you know, provider of uh, beverages was Pepsi as well. And I, I saw all the Pepsi in there. So I knew that there was some Pepsi uh, shit happening. Yeah, there is a lot of brand. Uh... Which is kind of crazy because the thing fucking bombed and like, for years, obviously, horror fans have, have well, found it and loved it now, but it was kind of like a lost film for a and while. That's what I mean. Like, I even feel like, for me personally, like that movie like disappeared. Like, obviously, I, I don't remember 1987 because I was two, but um, and I think a lot of people say like the movie like like it hit, the, it hit what helped it a little bit from what I hear is like it with the VHS release, but like. The movie pretty much after that, like, years after that, like, was dead. Like, no, I felt like nobody talked about it, but now, like, there's been, like, a crazy resurgence lately, I feel like, but, like I said, like, there wasn't a DVD release until 2007, which was, which was sick. I mean, that was a great release, a lot of great special features, but. When that came out on DVD, I remember the day it came out, because I went to Great Northern Mall, and I picked that up, and, uh. And the and every time I die is uh, the big dirty. I picked that up because those both came out that Tuesday, and I remember like going home and I watched all those special features on that, and I was so fucking glad that, that finally happened. Yeah, it was like I said, it was it was just an obscurity. Like there wasn't like it came out on Laserdisc, and then there was like a like a transferred like bootleg DVD which I had, but you didn't hear anything about it for the longest time. And then 2007, they came out with the. With the, the two disc, uh, the special edition one, which I, w- I also would like to add is the head and shoulders better than the, even the Blu ray. The Blu ray release of that film is, is bare huge. bones. They need to, 
and I hate everything about it. I was actually just telling this to Jen last night. Like, there's no special features at all, and the the artwork is is trash. I don't I don't like the artwork on it. I'm I'm I agree with you, and I actually love that 20th anniversary edition that came out in 07. I love that like newer artwork, and Wait, I'm sorry. Did they they made another Blu-ray? Because I have my Blu-ray has the same artwork as that. And oh no, the features. the Blu-ray that they have out that I'm aware of is like more of like a cartoon looking uh, artwork, right, Eric? Yeah, it's like a it's just like a cartoon artwork on the cover, and it's like the same thing as like the main menu of the. Of huh. the so like, the one the I have print. must have gone out of print, and then they must have released it again. No yeah. shit. Who put? Do you know who put that one out, Eric? The Blu-ray that you have, that one. It's like. It's some, like, olive... Oh, olive's fucking terrible. Olive is fucking known for shit. Yeah, so I'm hoping that someday it does get a better, another release of, uh... Well, hopefully, hopefully someone like Arrow or... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully someone like Arrow or, uh, Scream Factory get their hands on the rights to re-release that. Yeah, that'd be great. But, yeah, around the time of this 20th anniversary, um... You know, you see a lot more, and I think, and they have it on the special features, you know, the horror conventions were starting to pop up, and they were doing all the horror conventions and doing the panels and stuff like that, and that whole horror, the horror community and the the convention going really got the fanfare and the buzz of the movie back into, like, you know, back into the spotlight to get it back in and, and get people finding it and rediscovering the film. Yeah, 100%. I think that helped. And I think, so there's actually a documentary that's out. Well, it's not, like, it's it's just doing, like, uh, conventions right now. Actually, Andre Gower, the, who plays Sean in the movie, directed it. And he got together with a, with a 1620 Media. It's called Wolfman's Got Nards. It's a, just a documentary about the film. If anybody wants to check it out, it's a... Uh, I'm definitely going to have to. It's good, it's though? Cheap. You've seen it? I haven't seen it yet because you can't like buy it. It's not online. It's just oh shit. Just showing it at like different film festivals or like if they go to a convention, they're showing it at different conventions. So no shit. Uh, but if you go to the squaddoc.com, the squaddoc.com, and there's a trailer for it, and uh, they kind of touch on that how like because uh, so Fred Decker's in it and Shane Black obviously, so they wrote it and Decker directed it, and then like they have some other like stars like. Zack Ryder, the WWE wrestler, who I know Sean loves, is in it. Um, Seth, Seth Green is in it. So just like talking about the film, but uh, Fred Decker, I think on the in the trailer, if you watch it, says like how they didn't realize up until because I think what happened is they had like some for that 20th anniversary they did, did, did a big thing at the Alamo Draft House. Yeah, and I think they didn't realize like the weight that the film had had, and it, like they had such a tremendous um, following following from that and i think that's what kind of realized it because you really didn't see those people doing conventions before that and now ryan uh lambert who plays rudy and uh Andrew, Andre Gower, Andre Gower, Gower, yeah. they're like they're all over the the circuit now doing uh, different conventions and with the documentary out now so and like I said, to, to pop in and 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 just say that you know we went to see uh the uh screening of nightmare on elm street three dream warriors that had uh, Heather Langenkamp and uh, Chuck Russell there talking, and the hosts for the night, because uh, what Comic-Con was that that was there that weekend? Um, the Wizard World. I think. Wizard, Wizard World was there, and Ryan Lambert and Andre Gower 
were the hosts for the evening for the Dream Warriors like screening. Right, so random, but obviously. A, a it, I mean, it was a treat for us because we're such huge fans of Monster Squad. Yeah. Obviously, that was such, such an added bonus. That's. I mean, I, I still. I'm, I'm yet to meet any of those guys. They haven't. They haven't done like a. We go to Monster Manias a lot, but they haven't done a Monster Mania since. I looked it up, kind of. They haven't really done one since like 2000 and right around that time, the 20th uh, anniversary of the movie. So, um, I th- at least it's from that's what I think. So I'd love to meet those guys at some point, obviously. So. You would think uh, Monster Mania would uh, have their uh, shit together, and we're getting, you know, more of them here, especially for the twentieth and or the thirtieth anniversary was yeah. last year. Yeah, it was yeah. last year. This year is thirty-one years. So yeah. Um, not to sound like a nerd, but I've I've messaged uh, Phoebe, Hagen, <laughs> a bunch about uh, getting those guys, and I've actually like not like I shouldn't say I've talked, but. I've, commented on Andre Gower's stuff and he basically said that if Monster Mania you know he would love to do a Monster Mania he just needs to be asked to so there you go Dave Hagen if you're listening <laughs> oh I'm sure he's listening right yeah. now <laughs> I would like to hear some more from Brian and Sean about this I feel like I'm just I'm taking up all the time well so. you're the we're, we learned fucking I've learned more about Monster Squad I, I, in like the last seven minutes than I think fucking <laughs> I've ever known about me- I mean I like I said, like it's just—I it, love the film. Obviously, it's—it's—it's it's, it's just everything that I don't know. Like part of the reason why I love horror because it helps. It helps. It's fun to be scared, and I, it just reminds me of my youth. You know what I mean? It keeps. And the, this movie is everything that I just love about you know, like small town with your friends, like super into like horror and monsters, and I just love it. So I just um, this movie reminds me of one of the first times me and Eric really bonded. We both love this movie. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, he introduced I could, me to yeah. it instead of me introducing him to it. Now, for people that don't know the Syracuse area, there's a, a theater called the Palace Theater. And I believe we all went um, and were there when they screened this in 2006, I think it was. Um, yeah, we were still in high school. Right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember driving out there and I was so... Because I had not seen it in like... Oh, a fucking a few years at least like at least probably like six seven maybe eight nine years and i was so pumped that i was going to be able to see it in a fucking old time theater like that and i remember sitting up on the balcony and that was one of the first times even i i was because i was just like oh like oh you know only me and my friends like this film and then we fucking you know we get there and fucking the place is packed and everyone's losing their mind during fucking uh ever during all the scenes and when fucking rudy lights the fucking match off his penny loafer like <laughs> the bt penny loafer yeah the, the bt penny loafer the paul yeah. gutierre fucking penny loafer i yeah i re-fell in love with monster squad that night i fell in love with the palace theater i think that was my first time being there yeah that was my first time going to the palace as well and did Jeff Meyer put that on? Uh, he may have. He may have. That was before I even knew who that guy was. Yeah, I think he oh, did okay. actually. But regardless, oh, kiss that motherfucker. Um, but yeah, it's uh, Not physically now something that's funny, and I, I I always forget it until I watch it. And because you and I are such huge Soprano fans, did you notice that Richie April is one of the pilots? Yeah, at the beginning, Richie April. That's I was just... actually I always forget about that, obviously, because uh, yeah. 
I don't, I, you know, you forget about the connection. But yeah, I did. When we watched it again last night, I was going to make sure I mentioned it to you. Old Richie April making his, uh, cutting his teeth at the freaking <laughs> <laughs> monster. Spot. I know. How fucking great is that? That's hilarious. But, but yeah, if I could tell, they were, um, I also want to talk about, like, there was, in 2008, um, Paramount actually bought the rights to the movie, and Michael Bay's company, Planet Platinum Dunes, actually was, uh, they announced that they were going to do uh, a remake of it. We had and this discussion, we were talking about this, yeah. but I didn't know that he was actually, like, Michael Bay was involved. We made jokes about Michael <laughs> Bay doing it. And, well, he actually, well, he was, it was his company, but he wasn't going to, like... I guess they had, like, a director and, like, um, they had a director and they had, like, writers. But then, like, it kind of, like, they announced that. Like, I think, like, Rob Cohen or whatever was going to, like, direct it. And these gun guys, the gun brothers or something, were going to... Not James Gunn, guys. Don't worry. But, um... They were going to direct... Or they were going to write it. But uh, then they kind of, like, nobody heard anything for a while. And then they, I think, like... I can't remember. They, then they just ended up announcing that it was just canceled. Uh, so I don't really know how far along they got with it. But Hopefully they don't get too far because I don't want fucking Megan Fox playing Phoebe and fucking <laughs> Shia yeah, LaBeouf's well, fucking the vampire. And... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's a movie that I definitely don't ever want them to touch. I know uh, there's another person in the room sitting around with you guys who has seen a remake of his uh, favorite movie of all time, yeah. and he's uh, super negative about it. And, uh... I'm talking about Sean with Ghostbusters, by yeah. the way. Yeah, Sean is a huge Ghostbusters fan, and you could never meet someone more negative on a remake ever than Sean on the Ghostbusters well, remake. Well, I don't mean to get off topic here, but let's ask, how, I mean, how do you, Jesse, being such a big Pet Cemetery fan, how do you feel about the remake? Are you excited, or? You, you know what? If it's cert, certain films, I think, are different than others. With Pet Cemetery being, like, one of my favorite movies of all time, um, and, I'm more ex- I I feel more relieved because I know the cast and I know what elite cast casting was done with John Lithgow as Judd, Jason Clark as uh, as Lewis Creed. I feel a lot more comforted that the fact that you know it was so done well so well done that Hollywood knows how to handle this, and I think that the studios know who to put as. Paramount specifically know who to put in charge of these films to make them successful. Right. And it's such a classic story to me. It's one of King's best written stories. And it's just such a creepy fucking tale. And that combined with the cast at first, I was like, "Mm, don't ever fucking touch it. Do part three and it'll be lesser of a blow. If I fucking, you know, it's all girls and they're burying a fucking gerbil and it comes back (laughs) and it bites someone's throat. Um, but I feel a lot more comforted now that I think it came out and it was done so well. Um, at the same time, there is like a a little tiny part of me that's like, ah, man. But at the same time, I've had Pet Cemetery my entire life to love and revere and nothing that comes out is ever going to tarnish my memories of Pet Cemetery. When I watched that original one, when I watched the original Pet Cemetery in... 15 years it's still gonna have that i'm still gonna feel the way i did when i was seven years old and i watched that film and was scared like out of my fucking mind and discovered the ramones and 
You know what I mean? Like, so nothing will ever truly harm it. But at the same time, like, I feel that way with Monster Squad. I'm like, that's one movie I don't think that they could do justice big big time on CGI. Because even when we were watching it just earlier tonight, Bridget commented, is that all, like, computer stuff? We're going, no, that's guys in suits. Yeah, and it looks so fucking good all these years later. Well, that's what I wanted to touch on too. Is like, first off, that uh, Stan Winston does the makeup and everything, the special effects. I mean, he worked with Decker and Black a lot. Like, he's, I mean, the guy's got his name on a lot of stuff. He did. He was Predator. He was Terminator. Pumpkinhead. They did did Predator. They did Predator. Predator the same year. Terminator, Pumpkinhead, Jurassic Park. So Edward Scissorhands. So, I mean, yeah, like. That's another thing. That movie, I don't care what anybody says. Uh, the special effects in it is great, I think. The monsters look great, all of them. I, I mean, I personally think they do anyway. And uh, something I actually just learned about, too, is uh, that there was issues with Tom Noonan's, like, uh, the Dracula. Not issues, but, like, they couldn't make, dra- because of, like, likeness, copyright issues, they had to make Tom Noonan's, like, Frankenstein's monster look different than the classic version, I guess. Right, right. Which I think is cool, because he has, like, his own look to him, but... Yeah, um, I like that, too. Uh, but I think, like, especially the Wolfman, like, some of the... Like, when... I think that's the best-looking Wolfman. Like, traditional, universal-type right. Wolfman that there is. Yeah. And, honestly, it looks better than the fucking Wolfman that Benicio Del Toro did. With all that money that oh, they spent yeah, to make it look great, that fucking simple makeup of the Wolfman in... Monster Squad is awesome. Yeah, no, I hundred percent agree, and I, that's what I mean. I think that the special effects and the makeup is great. Like the creature from the Black Lagoon looks awesome. Yeah, it looks amazing. The creature from the Black Lagoon, the mummy looks super rad. Oh like, yeah, that yeah. that that like it's it's hard to like make a mummy look at like scary and imposing. Like yeah, he's exactly. just a piece of shit, fucking <laughs> deep fried and wrapped in fucking <laughs> toilet paper, like. And you know what is one a cool scene that shows like really I think the cool special effects is when there's a scene where Dracula's like the bat and those guys are in like the towards the end of the movie and they're in oh the, yeah and he's laying there all fucked up like looking yeah, like he like got the, ran over. Sean's father shoots him and then he he fly, he goes in that window and they go up to see him and he's like his face is kind of transformed to back to like the Dracula face but his body's like a like a human sized bat. I thought that was that's awesome I think, and that's what we miss with these movies now is like. I don't know. The special effects is, I know it costs a lot more money, but it's just so, it goes so much farther. But let me, let me just make a, a comparison, uh, to, uh, the Ron Howard's, uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. Uh, they, when they were going to do that film, they had signed Rick Baker on to do some like appliances and stuff like that. And then they told them what they were going to do. They were literally just going to paint the skin of Jim Carrey green and and that's how he was going to look. Rick Baker threatened to walk off the project and said, "I will not put my name on this or do a fucking dickhole thing on this whole film if you do not let me create that motherfucking Grinch." And the yeah. studio, luckily with their fucking balls in their mouth, had to fucking cave and said, "It's yours, no. King Rick, right. fucking do what you do." And guess what? That is some of the most brilliant fucking special effects makeup in all of film oh. ever, period. Oh, yeah. Well, when Rick Baker tells you to do anything, you do it. That guy's a fucking king. Yeah, exactly. You shut the fuck up, you put your balls in your mouth, and you take it. <laughs> He's, when he got fucking seven Oscars, uh, 
I think you can do whatever, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, you're the, officially the fucking king of special effects. Yeah, so. But, but yeah, yeah like that, that made a huge difference. That movie probably would have bombed. It would have oh, fucking yeah. tanked. Like, who the fuck wants to see a hairless Grinch? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, we gotta talk about uh, uh, a genre darling that is in the Monster Squad, Mary Ellen Trainer. Yeah, yeah. She's, you know, you're talking all through the house, the Tales from the Crypt episode, fucking Goonies, fucking, what else is she in? All four lethal weapons. All fucking four lethal weapons. What else is she in? She's in so much, and I immediately, like, every time I see her, I feel good inside. <laughs> and I don't mean that sexually. I mean, like, she, like, makes me feel, like, she has that good motherly presence, and I don't know what it is. She just... Is she in Die Hard? Is she, she play like a reporter? Is she? I'm gonna look it up. But anyway, like she's in that. Like, uh, what's the guy's name? Stephen Ment uh, Machi that plays the dad. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in fucking Stephen King's uh, Graveyard Shift. Like, uh, he was in like a a bunch of different shit. I think the he's a fucking great actor. I think he nails like, and it's cool that they have like. Because it's a kid film, I love that they kind of deal with, like, the impending separation slash divorce in there, too. The movie has more layers than people even give it credit for. Sorry. No, it really does. She is in Die Hard and all three seasons of Roswell. I'm done. Okay. And Freaky Friday with Jamie Lee Curtis. The movie does touch on, like, really, like, dark stuff, too. Like, with just, like, little stuff that they add to the plot with, like, Sean's parents, like fighting throughout the movie and talking about like um going to like uh counseling and then like uh scary german guy they like show his like um yes his friggin holocaust friggin numbers you notice kids movies back then got into some real shit you know sort of like what degrassi did but now if you go see a kids movie maybe i'm wrong because i actually don't see a lot of kids movies these days they're like super sugar-coated yeah. They're what? Well, like, think about how, like, deep that really is when they're, like, when the fucking, they're talking to scary German guy and he's like, oh, yes, I've dumped with some monsters in my day. And they show his fucking goddamn Holocaust numbers. Like, yeah. that's deep and dark shit. Yeah, scary German guy saves the day. He's yeah, the- motherfucker was dishing out real slices <laughs> of fucking fist pies in fucking Auschwitz. <laughs> I mean, uh, so true. But, when, hey, when you have the guys who wrote freaking Lethal Weapon and the last Boy Scout uh, writing of this movie is gonna be a little dark too, and the new Predator, I might add. Oh, I can't, I can't wait for that. I mean, you're talking Black and Decker back on fucking track. Like, I'm so pumped for that new Predator. You think that's how the 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 like uh, tool company Black and Decker got their name? They were just like, huge oh my god, that's fucking amazing! <laughs> I never made that fucking association. Yeah, they're, like, they're just like. Oh, we need to name this fucking company Black and Decker, man. Can I we love, do? Can we? Love me some the weapon. We'll plug. We'll plug our T-shirt venture, No Light, at the end of the episode. But I think we need to do a fucking Black and Decker rip shirt for our fucking <laughs> No Light company. Oh my god, that'd be great. I want. I just said uh, that actually. I didn't even think about that until you literally just said the Black and Decker thing, and I was like, isn't there that uh, major tool company? So. Black and Decker uh, yeah. making all your fucking Monster Squad fucking horror <laughs> hardware. Right. Oh my god, that's great. Uh, so I gotta ask everyone uh, what their favorite scene of the movie is. Or scenes, I guess, if you can't pick one. Favorite scenes. Well, my favorite scene, I have to say, 
is probably let me think uh it's probably honestly i love i love the the scene where they fucking go to 666 shadowbrook road maybe the hardest fucking address in all of cinema <laughs> Um, when they go there in the classic fucking Wolfman's Got Nards scene, man. That's fucking yeah. classic. I also love when they're in the fucking treehouse and fucking, and Frank's scary. Like, <laughs> that fucking, like, tugs your heartstrings. I, I say that scary thing to Jen all the time. Like, <laughs> and then last night when she saw it, she marked out when she heard the scary. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, BT and Sean, favorite uh, scenes? You want us to answer together or separately? Separately, please. Why? Because okay. Sean's answer is going to be same as yours? <laughs> okay, um... Chunky Dad. We'll find out. My favorite little moment... There's so many great scenes that I can't pick one. But one of my favorite little Fox moments... Fox photos had a two-for-one. <laughs> that I just happened to pick up on tonight was when, like, Frankenstein, you know, the monster... But they call him Frank. Yeah, he's Frank. Yeah. Accidentally snaps a nude photo of the sister. <laughs> and then, I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. Yeah. they're going to find that picture later on. Funny story about the nude that photo. That could have been the ending of the movie. So they do try to show that new photo in the movie. I don't know if you guys remember that part. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. But if you freeze frame it just properly, just right, it's not a nude photo. Just, yes, I've done that. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Jen's flipping me off right now. <laughs> but I, yeah, I was a young, it was 2007, you know, I was only like six. I'm just kidding. But no, <laughs> I just, I happen to know that it's not a naked girl in the picture, which is funny, but it's such a quick scene that you, have, you can't tell unless you... Hey, you know what they say, boys will be boys. I never connected that photo to that scene where he takes... Okay, that Wait, makes, really? Yeah. What do you think so Rudy was fucking spitting pep-pep all over the place for? <laughs> yeah, you got that... I was that like dissecting the... Okay. Sean? Uh, okay, obviously, Jesse already talked about Wolfman Got Nards. But my second favorite scene is uh, when Horace fucking cocks the shotgun. So oh, yeah. name is Horace. Yeah. Can we talk about, wait, hold on. Can we talk about how, what a fucking deplorable motherfucker EJ is? Yeah, EJ sucks. Fucking Kevin from fucking... <laughs> from Wonder Years. Wonder Years. He was a dick in Wonder Years too, wasn't he? Yeah, so... he was a little peck, peckerhead. Uh, so, we gotta talk about it, just because it's so funny and, and it wouldn't go over these days, but in the 80s, it was in... And if you're offended, uh, fuck you. Um... <laughs> Also, in the 80s, they didn't like the F word, and we're not talking about fuck, was if you were the F word in the 80s, you were the kid that missed the kickball in class, as yeah. Jim Brewer would stick. say. He's talking about a bundle of sticks. Yes, a bundle of sticks. A or cigarette. A One of Rudy's cigarettes, if you will. Yeah. You said you had this fuck you if you get offended attitude, but you're only saying the F word. Well... EJ drops the faggot bomb and calls the kid a faggot. Yeah, I was, you know what, watching that last night too, I I am shocked by, you know, you get shocked by because it's, uh, that would never pass in a movie nowadays. No, not at all. But like, doesn't, I feel like it's okay in those older films because in that case, it makes him even more deplorable like fucking 31 years later. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, EJ sucks. Like his body sucks. <laughs> well, who the fuck? What good? What good goddamn person would ever fucking step on a Snickers bar that's fucking not even finished? Yeah, what I he says is dickish. You know what else wouldn't go over today? Eat it, and we'll call it a day. <laughs> Let's hear it. What? Uh, the what we mentioned earlier. Rudy, Rudy always like smoking cigarettes. Oh yeah. At what? In, he's a middle schooler. Yeah. Well, no, he's junior high. Rudy's junior high. Nobody junior high, knows, yeah, sorry. Nobody really... You don't know how old Rudy is throughout the entire movie anyway. You just know that he's... He's in junior high, Eric. A respected, feared man. And he lights fucking matches off his penny. You know, here. Ryan yeah. Lambert, like, I'm sure you've seen... He always talks about the... Uh, when he did the... Whatchamacallit, to get that roll. He, like, rolled up... Uh, with a cigarette, and think, I think. I'm pretty sure he, like, talks about that. That's funny shit. What, yeah, I, re- I remember that. Also. But I'm going to talk about my favorite scene, I think. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. We want to hear it. The floor is uh, it, Well, there's so many great scenes, obviously. But my, my one of my favorite scenes is, like, the whole montage of... Um, in the town square when Dracula sees uh, Phoebe with the amulet and he's walking towards her slowly and all these cops are running up and he's just fucking beating the shit out of all these cops. Oh, yeah. And then he finally gets the scary German guy and he shoots fucking random white light into his chest. Get the fuck out of here, scary German guy. <laughs> and then he grabs poor innocent Phoebe, picks her up, and gives her the classic, give me the amulet, you bitch. Then he hisses at her. It's like the greatest. Uh, it really, great it really is. And that I Eric. love that scene where the green shining in his face and he's fucking like his eyes are bugging out and shit. Yeah, classic. Brian, you were saying. Is Dracula the reason you're always hissing? You went, you went through that hissing phase. <laughs> no, I think it's just because I'm special. Oh okay. <laughs> All right. By the way, I'm changing my favorite scene to. Just the montage where they're getting ready to go into battle and Rocket Till You Drop is playing. Rock, oh my god, that is fucking... Like, that is a great scene. Because I love a good montage to oh, an upbeat yeah. 80s song. Fuck so yeah. So that's definitely my favorite scene. Rudy's just, Rudy's just making fucking steaks. He's fucking getting the silver bullets made. <laughs> well, yeah, he's making silver bullets like at school too, which I find hilarious. Imagine... <laughs> You think fucking Mr. Gellert was showing him how to do it? Oh my god, Paul Gellert would be like, well, this is how you make these silver bullets here. <laughs> my, my second favorite scene is when uh, Patrick's sister reads the German uh, stuff from the diary and nothing happens. And he's like, are you, and the scary German guy is like, are you sure she's a virgin? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, are you a virgin? She's like, no. I smell like, a period. Mean, no. And he's like, and she's like, well, Steve, but he doesn't count. That's <laughs> he doesn't enough. count. Doesn't count. What's that kid's name again? The actor's name? Kiger? Yeah, Robbie Kiger. He does. It's weird. You know what? Now that we speak about him, he really doesn't do anything. uh, I haven't seen anything from him. Weird. He's not. He's not in the document. Like, uh, he's not a part of the 20th anniversary stuff. Like the special features. Like he wasn't there for any of that. He's never done a con. Yeah, he doesn't do it. Um, We talked about that. Yeah, it's just. It's a shame. Andre Ryan. Even uh, Phoebe, like her, the actress is Ashley Banks. She's done some stuff. The kid who plays Eugene is kind of around Michael Faustino, um, and uh, a lot of the people. Uh, John Grise. Can we talk about John Grise for a second? John Grise is the oh, fucking Rico. man. He is one of the most Rico. underrated actors in all of cinema. In my yeah, eyes. he really is. Real genius. Talk about him all and, uh, fucking Uncle Rico. He fucking Fright, Fright Night Two. Fright Night Two. He plays the wolf again. <laughs> 
I know, fucking amazing. Uh, obviously, he was in like he was in fucking Seinfeld. Like the dude has got like a hell of a fucking resume. Yeah, he's in Taken with the uh, yeah with Liam Neeson. Yeah, he's in the Taken movies. Which is funny because Neeson, Neeson, you said was fucking up for the vamp uh, the director yeah, role. He was he was he apparently he like actually like auditioned for it, but he didn't get it. So no shit. Um, I'd also like to take some time to dedicate this episode. To a fallen member of the Monster Squad, Mr. Brent Shalem, a.k.a. Horace, who passed away in 1997 of pneumonia. Yeah, which is terrible. I feel like, you know, um, it, it's sad that he uh, he died so young, too, especially because he didn't live to see, like, how revered Monster Squad, and his yeah. character especially, is Oh, these yeah, days. people definitely think, connect with his character, but he, he really didn't do much acting outside of the Monster Squad. I actually looked it up, he... He only did like a, I think he did like some TV show and then he didn't really do much else. So, you know, unfortunately, yeah, passed away of pneumonia in '97. So, total and, of a bitch. Total and, shame because he would have been. I think. Uh, I think as all the cast members of that movie are, they're so pleasantly surprised when people are so fucking enamored and obsessed with this movie all these years later. I think uh, you know he would have. Uh, it would have been cool to see him enjoying it with the rest of the fellow castmates. Of course, because, like, yeah. as you said, that movie totally flopped. Right. So, they probably didn't even know about it actually having fans until, right. like, the mid-2000s, early yeah. 2000s, mid-2000s. Yeah, like, so, a, like, a lot of movies from back then. And the Wolfman's got Nards, that's fucking, that's him, you know what I mean? Right. That The yeah. whole, the, the biggest, most memorable line in the whole film is Horace. Yeah, that's the oh, first yeah. thing any almost anyone thinks of. When they and I think, like, there's, with, that, with the new documentary that Gower's doing, I think maybe kind of shows a little bit of appreciation that he named it Wolfman's Got Nards, and I think maybe that's kind of a little, obviously a shout-out to the scene, maybe a little shout-out to him as well, that he's not a part of it, but uh, definitely unfortunate, so. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, and, it, and it's such a... It still holds up so well, and I think just like, um, and I know people will debate this uh, every day, but I think the Universal Monster films hold up as a whole, like those are still fun to watch, those are classic tales. When people think of Dracula, they think of Bela Lugosi. When they think of Frankenstein's monster, or you know, they see the name or hear the name Frankenstein at all, they think of Boris Karloff, uh, you know what I mean? And uh, it's... Uh, and this is like a, a take on it. And this movie, I think, is just as timeless as the original Universal Monster movies. Yeah, I think it holds up really well. I think it's a movie that you could show anybody of, of almost any, you know, adult, a, a child, I mean, to a certain extent. I think, like I said, it's just a wonderful, fun, scary at times. And, you know, for some people, it's just a tremendous movie. So It's definitely yep. the best, like attempt to reinvent the universal oh by monster far side. by far but i mean look at what it's up against van helsing <laughs> yeah tom cruise's the mummy hey listen i'm right this now is the second time bt's trash tom cruise in this moment i am not bashing tom cruise i needed to say that to specify which mummy i was talking about because honestly the brendan fraser one's pretty fun i agree with that so is the tom cruise one but not another word. You haven't seen the Tom Cruise one. Cool. We'll talk about this later privately. I saw it in theaters. What do you mean? 
Oh, cool. What'd you think? We talked about this. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, but also, I mean, from, uh, you know, with the amount of uh, love that the film's got, we've seen Mondo release four seven-inch records uh, for the film and uh, an LP for the film. And then countless uh, Mondo does a... Mondo did a couple of posters that you could buy on eBay right now for nine thousand dollars if you yeah. want. <laughs> what people, we we gotta talk about like uh, that too, people and it's so think, uh, people seem to think that these posters are worth the nine hundred ninety nine dollars ninety nine cents. So <laughs> is it know. free shipping at least? Jesus, <laughs> I know. Cut me a break here. You're gonna uh, I mean, and, and it's sad that all that Mondo stuff is like that. And honestly, I know there's been a lot of. Uh, I mean, they're never going to listen to this, and they're never going to like promote this podcast because I don't even think they promote bigger podcasts. So, uh, Mondo can suck my ass. Uh, fuck them. Uh, all <laughs> well, their shit, like, oh, this went out of this went out of print, or it's sold out in minutes. Oh yeah. Well, why is a fucking something on eBay literally for sale in the same city that Mondo's fucking located in an hour after it fucking supposedly sold out? You're fucking full of shit, and you're selling them. You're back peddling them out of your asshole, and for fucking triple the money to go. Oh, it's sold out. It's super rare. Yeah, I mean, it's got Horace's <laughs> fucking breath captured inside it in a vial. Uh, also, uh, someone uh, I'm missing one of my seven inch records, the Frank Science Monster one. So if anybody finds it, could they let me know? Where the fuck could that possibly be? I'm talking to my, I'm talking to the listeners to whoever's listening. Just if you find it, let me know. Yeah, because <laughs> it literally looks like someone it just disappeared into thin air. How the fuck do you how do you lose that if you keep all your vinyl in the same fucking place? I don't know. All the other ones are there too. Like the three other seven inches are there. I just I can't find that one. So but that's a mystery for another time. So well, I also have that one, so you can have mine, and I will gladly give it to you. No, I'll buy it. Don't fucking say that. Anyway, what else do I got to add? Glad they're not doing a remake. Favorite movie of all time. Love it. Watch it when I'm sad. Watch it when I'm happy. Well, I'm watching it for years. Reminds me of my youth. It's the greatest movie in my life. And I love it. And if uh, Andre or Ryan ever want to hang out, give me a call. (laughs) (laughs) Now... With, uh, you know, what are your thoughts, Eric? Because I think we we touched on it, but we didn't hear much of your take on it or anybody else's uh, as much. um, You know, what would be the thoughts if they did get a a Monster Squad reboot? Honestly, I think... I I just don't even know how they would even realistically do it. Like, I can't picture them doing it, like... Because they're not going to use practical effects, so would they use CGI? I could see it coming. I could see them redoing it as an animated movie. You know what I mean? I, how would I feel about it? I don't know. I mean, like I said, an animated movie could be like way safer and way way fun too, though. If it was the yeah, same I mean, kind of animation as like Paranorman and Frankenweenie, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, kinda cool. I mean, that would be cool, actually. If anyone really out fun. there is listening. You steal our idea, you're fucking done. No. Um, if you are already remaking Monster Squad for whatever reason, or are in works to do it, we don't want real humans mixing with CGI. We just want, like, some stop motion. Yeah, like, I just couldn't picture him doing a live action. I would definitely be bummed, but like I said, I would also... I would be interested at the same time, but it depends on what the route they took was. Like I said, if they took that 
kind of like a animated like paranormal like like you said like that vein of a movie I think that could be really cool and that could translate really well and it's something that would actually do probably better than the original movie did in theaters sadly but but I feel uh, like if they did remake it it would have the same tone of something like the Goosebumps movie with Jack Black I could see that yeah yeah I can see that too although I don't know how that movie did but well I yeah I didn't see it I enjoyed it a lot you enjoyed the sec- it, but... The second one that's coming out looks actually kind of cool. The Halloween one that's coming out this Which, year. Which, the second Goosebumps movie is pretty much a rehash of the first one. So, I'll say that if they were to remake it, I would have the same attitude I have with any remake nowadays. So I'll just keep an open mind, because right. I've been surprised by a lot of remakes. I mean, let's, let's face facts that pretty much everything has been remade, so I'm surprised they haven't remade, like, the Goonies yet, to be honest with you. Yeah, so. yeah. Like... I, sometimes when I hear they're remaking something, to me it's just like cool. We're getting a new like entry in this series. Like I don't really think of it as a remake. I just think of it as yeah, right. Now, here's a question, and I know they'd never do it just because nothing cool ever happens like this. Uh, if they were to do a sequel, and would have Andre Gower and Ryan Lambert in it as you know the main guys because the the Kiger kid is fucking MIA and if you got fucking Banks back as Phoebe and stuff like that and you could write a storyline that hopefully uh, his parents would be okay with you know the character of Horace has been killed by the monsters and they are exacting their revenge upon them I feel like that would be awesome I mean yeah I guess I would be for that yes but, but then again, I mean, no. I feel like no studio is like, oh, who the fuck? Like, studios are so disconnected, especially from, like, I mean, the horror community as a whole anyway, just because they're, the horror, horror is still frowned upon, even though it makes money, even though these studios will bleed like a horror movie. Like, oh, you know, fucking Paranormal Activity made all this money. We got to do movies just like that. Like, they don't really, they don't make movies to chance losing money. They only make movies that they are like pretty certain they're gonna do money. Yeah, the, especially for horror, horror more than anything, they, they want to make sure that they're okay. We're definitely gonna make some money. I mean, I don't know what the fuck they're thinking when they do movies like The Woods, because <laughs> come on, they're the forest, whatever the fuck that was called. Yeah, that was terrible. Oh, the fucking the Japanese suicide. Story. Yeah. Oh my god, it was awful. I think, I think you're right. Stigma, but we are seeing some better things like. I mean, Jessica Chastain signed on to do the, the new It movie, so I think that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, but look at how much money, in order to get those bigger stars, and for them to be like, okay, like, I'm down with that, or their agents be like, okay, if, if guess what, if It was, like, moderately successful, and they're like, yeah, we'll do the sequel, like, uh, you know, it has enough, we made enough money overseas, like, where it, it justifies us making a sequel... If it was like like made good money but not like killed like it did because it killed in the box office for fucking right. ever, I feel like her agent would be like, no, don't do it. Like it's not really like it's not really worth it. But because it fucking like killed in the box office, they're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a good payday. The first one killed. This one's gonna do even better. Right. Fuck yeah. So other than that, like I don't think the actors probably and, and actresses, I don't think they get on board and get sold on it until they do it. And they're like, "Wow, that's a great experience. It's a cool character. I kind of like doing horror, like this horror movie is really fun." But then part of me thinks like they don't give a fuck. Like it's all about the money. So getting someone like that to sign on, like 
is very cool, but look at how much success it had to have to get right. some of those bigger yeah. names. Can I just say to that, let's think about all these major gigantic actors. Everyone, I, I was thinking about this recently. So many people have had their hand in horror, like maybe early in their career. Like Tom Hanks did horror stuff, okay? Leonardo DiCaprio was in what? Critters, Critters 3. Critters 3. Uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt in Cutting Class. Like, everyone, you know, uh, Johnny Depp, obviously. Never know, she. You know, you know what I mean? Like, all these gigantic actors. Yeah. Have done, have done horror. So, I don't understand why it has such, a, like, a negative stigma, but it just is unfortunate, but. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it really doesn't anymore. It changed in the late 90s. Then they Jason Alexander in The Burning. You could already yeah. be famous and then star in a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, but now like you won't see them star in like a like a like something that didn't like kill like it. Like they're not gonna well, be right. like Jessica Chan Stan's not gonna show up in a movie like Truth or Dare. But well, yeah, even yeah, even that. But like honestly, if John Carpenter was doing a film like a new film, and he's like, I want Jessica Chastain, they would be like, uh, <laughs> is it a Halloween film? <laughs> Other than that, we don't really want her right. doing that. Uh, because your name doesn't mean anything in Hollywood to us, even though to you know to us Carpenter's one of the greatest ever fucking step behind a camera, but to like the Hollywood bigwig, you know, coke snorting fucking actress raping fucking people that call the shots in Hollywood, they don't give a fuck about John Carpenter. They don't give a fuck about George Romero. They didn't give a fuck about Wes Craven. Those guys had to fucking fight tooth and nail to get their movies made on their terms. Um, and then they were fucking ostracized because they didn't work within the Hollywood system as much as, you know, the bigger directors and they did horror films. So they fucking looked down upon them yet fucking last house on the left. Obviously it's a super brutal film, but it says so much about, you know, you know, like it, it has like a great story about revenge and, and, you know, deplorable acts and things like that. And then you have like movies that touch upon racial things that Wes did too, like Wes Craven, about like people under the stairs where the black community is like, you know, fighting the downtrodden of their of their ghettos and their society, trying to get ahead and they're just being controlled by the fucking people who have more money and just are don't have to worry about the financial burdens that they have to worry about in their communities. And but people overlook those complete fucking uh, like amazing messages that Wes Craven was trying to send, and they're just like, "Oh, he's just a horror director." No, you're a close-minded, money-grubbing fuckface, and fuck you, and you're the reason fucking horror movies have to fight tooth the nail for fucking respect. Well said. Thank you. <laughs> that was that was a really good speech. We got a little off track there, but I liked it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we're just we're diving into you know, because it's all it's all relative when you think about like you know why would a Monster Squad sequel not be made? You know what I mean? And like. There isn't like enough fanfare for them to be like, oh, it's a two hundred ninety million dollar movie like idea for us to reboot fucking uh, to reboot Monster Squad. But then again, it was a it was a TV a TV right. miniseries, so who knows? Maybe. Right, that's true. But yeah, the Monster Squad. Uh, I think we talked about this. Well, we talked about it in the uh, in the episode of Night of the Creeps, but. Do you know, because None of the Creeps came out a year before the Monster Squad, and uh, on the stalls in Night of the Creeps, when JC falls out of the uh, stall, it says, Go Monster Squad, on the stall. Right. 
I think that was uh, that was very cool to see in there, especially now because uh, that movie came out a year before Monster Squad. To see that now uh, is uh, is really fun as a fan yeah. of Fred Decker and both films. They were probably already writing Monsters. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Had already written it by yeah. the time they shot it. I'm pretty sure, yeah. They were, and they were, like, they were pretty much fully working on Predator at that time, too, right? So Yeah, that's crazy, actually. They were he they were both busy guys in that right. area. That, well, did yeah. Fred Decker have anything to do with Predator? I was talking about more like Stan Winston was doing. Oh, Winston. yeah, right. But did Fred Decker have anything to do with the original Predator? I don't think so. No, I think it just... No, I don't think so. But he did. Maybe he does was... with the new Predator, which is awesome. Yes, that's what matters. And and and, and I want to take a second to kind of talk about how great of a director and, and great of a mind Fred Decker really is to... And, and if nothing else, I mean, we could talk about House as well, but think you about these two back-to-back films. I didn't realize until the other day how short his directing career really was yeah yeah like he did those two movies he did an episode of tales from the crypt yeah and then he did robocop 3 yeah which i guess was another bomb right and then i don't know if he just lost interest in directing or probably more money in writing honestly like does anyone know that i i i don't know i I know I've heard him on a couple different podcasts. I want to say he was on the Movie Crit podcast, and I know he was on Mick Garris's podcast. Um, so, uh, but I don't know. I think I think the bombings of some of his films might have had an effect. But I mean, there's no denying that he's left an awesome mark in the film world, especially in the horror realm. Uh, making you know it, it definitely two revered movies back to back in 86 and 87 with night of the creeps and monster squad like how amazing uh those two those two films are and how revered and what cult followings they have do you think there's a chance that if the predator does very well maybe he'll think about directing again uh if anything i think if the predator does well i think he'll be more apt to do even more writing yeah, I'd love to see him direct again. I would love it. I would love for him to do a fucking new horror film in 2019, 2020. I'd love it. I back it. So, Fred, if you're listening, you're not. But if you ever do, you should fucking you should direct a, a new horror film. Come on the podcast. Or a new film yeah, come of, on the podcast. A new film but... of any kind, actually. But horror is obviously our, our favorite. Our forte, yes. But... Romantic yeah, I'd watch a comedy that Fred Decker did. I'd watch an action movie. Hell yes. I'd watch a drama. He gets pretty emotional. Some pretty emotional shit in his movies. And yeah. It's good. But horror. So, final thoughts on uh, the Monster Squad here. Yeah, like I said. Oh, should I... Oh, oh. Go ahead, you go. <laughs> My final thoughts on the Monster Squad are that I love it, but you definitely introduced me to it. You are definitely a bigger fan than I am and have way more knowledge. So I feel like I can't I can't say anything right now that hasn't already been said by someone else. But I love the movie. And it's one of my favorites. There you go. Sean. Like I said earlier, this is like... Underscore... Monster Squad during Halloween time is like Christmas vacation to me during Christmas. Like, I watch this multiple times, like, leading up to Halloween. Monster Squad was robbed. 
It should have made millions of dollars. And it should have had an animated series based off of it. It would be amazing to see an animated series. But, uh, Eric, final Monster Squad thoughts on your favorite movie of all time. Uh, yeah, I mean, just that favorite movie of all time. I love it so much. I wish I was old enough to go to the theaters this year because I would have been one of the seven people in the theater, that's for sure. Um, I think it's unfortunate how it came out like that with a, as a bust, but I think it's great that it's gotten a lot of steam and people are starting to see it. And um, Yeah, like I said, if anybody hasn't seen it, they should definitely check it out. Super fun. Super, just... Like I said, the greatest movie of all time. I rest in peace, Horace. What rest in peace, Horace? Uh, I will say this: I know for a fact that uh, it's a movie that I think not only resonates with young the younger crowd of the younger crowd of children, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old and up. Um, you know, I'm 30 years old and I watch this movie and I still get giddy. I still think about being a little kid. I still, it brings you back to that time being with, you know, friends and, and especially for us who, who find our, our biggest comforts in friends and like movies and, and specifically horror. Uh, it's a timeless film. It's an ageless film. I feel like in another 20 years, I'll be able to watch it and I'll think of, you know, the mid nineties when I first found it and, uh, all those feelings will always stay with us all for the sense of nostalgia that it has. But, uh, you know, the escapism that these movies really do give us and how great, uh, something like the monster squad can be for us. Cause we're all, of course we're all, we all love the Goonies and stuff, but then, you know, the monster squad is like, is our film. It was made for us. It wasn't monster squad was made, for people like us. 100%. It's our movie. That's exactly right. So. And we can't do anything but praise uh, the people that helped get it made, all the actors that made it what it was, and, and Fred Decker for uh, bringing it to life. And uh, thank you, Fred. Thanks, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> and like I said, uh, hopefully I get to check out that documentary soon, but I know it's playing like other major cities, so if anybody wants to check, it's the squaddoc.com. And just watch the trailer, too, because the trailer is really, really cool. All right. That that about wraps it up. We are going to touch on, real quick, some stuff that we got upcoming for the podcast. Um, within the next uh, few yeah. weeks, we are going to start canning episodes for our Halloween franchise. We're going to be doing a lot of them. All of them. We're going to be doing all of them. We're going to be diving into every single Halloween film and releasing them probably two per episode, and it's going to be pretty fucking awesome. I cannot wait for that. And also, we're going to be diving into some more Stephen King film adaptations. Now, on the Night of the Creeps episode, we were talking about doing... Uh, are you all right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we were talking about doing uh, perhaps uh, Sometimes They Come Back. Uh, and also, uh, I know I just recently dove back into the book, The Dark Half, but I'm also diving into uh, the movie as well because I haven't seen it in a while. Uh, so we're going to have to dig into some uh, Stephen King adaptations for future podcast episodes. Near future. Next few episodes may even be 
some Stephen King film film adaptations. What do you say, boys? Maybe you'll let me talk about Carrie next time. Definitely. Really? Maybe. (laughs) But yeah, Dark Half, Sometimes They Come Back, those are two that immediately pop off my head. I would love to talk uh, the Dark Half, definitely. Fuck yeah. So uh, yeah, that'll, that'll just about do it. If you do have a second, go check out Eric and Mine's uh, t-shirt apparel. Uh, ooh, what the fuck was that? Soon to be stickers. Soon to be stickers. Company No Light. It's underscore No Light underscore on Instagram. Um, and you can check us out there. And the link to our stores in the bio. Uh, we will have more shirts, but right now we have a Curse of Ramon shirt. There was also help to, we got help creating that with uh, Mr. Lewis Smith, you saw on the Night of the Creeps episode, or heard on the Night of the Creeps episode just prior to this one, and he's also been on the podcast before, obviously, and Eric and I uh, do uh, do the No Light thing, and uh, it's, you know, music and horror movie-related uh, stuff, and uh, maybe diving into some other stuff, so if you want to go to... On Instagram, underscore, no light, underscore. We have a store in the bio, uh, link in the bio to our store. Uh, go check that out. If you're not uh, a cheap fuck, you should go purchase a t-shirt. Print it on pretty good quality stuff. It's a nice print and support people who print good shit. Uh, and go support this podcast at Heart Guide Media on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, give us a follow uh rate and review on itunes um you can listen to us on itunes stream listen download on itunes also on soundcloud you can stream and listen and download um let us know that you're there uh don't be silent what sorry (laughs) uh let us know you're there don't be silent too many of you have been silent we see the downloads we see the listens what the fuck are you doing? Let us know you're fucking listening. We'll fucking talk to you. Maybe we'll throw you a fucking pen. We'll mail you a fucking pen or something. Or a fucking sticker. Or we'll fucking you. blow you a kiss. Or maybe you're smart enough and you're well-crafted enough to come on here and wax intellectual and talk really fucking fast, nonsensical about a lot of dumb horror movies. And we can all have a fucking good time. Maybe you're going to be a fucking calling guest sometime. Who the fuck knows? If you're silent, we're never going to fucking know. So Heart Guide Media... At Heart Guy Media on Instagram, on Twitter. This is the fucking Heart Guy Media podcast, and these are my fucking friends, and we have this fucking podcast. These goddamn episodes are going to be weekly now. We're doing an episode every week. We're not fucking missing a week the rest of the year, and that's breathe, how it is. Breathe, man. I got into a groove there. I felt good. I felt like I was in the fucking fast lane with the Eagles. You were spinning. I like it. You were, you were doing real well. I just felt like... You felt I, good? I felt like it was dangerous. Like, if you kept oh, going yeah. longer, yeah, your, head was, would, your head would explode. <laughs> yeah. or you I was going to say something really fucked up. The whole podcast would have been shut down. Oh, okay. Well, you're going to have to tell me after what that was. Okay, perfect. All right. I can't thank you gentlemen enough for, one, making us, uh, making, uh, you know, being as integral part of this podcast as anything uh, and making these conversations as fucking awesome as they are. And doing as many episodes as I've uh, forced you to uh, be a part of. Uh, and how fucking awesome this has been. And we're a year in, gents. And it's been fucking awesome. Enjoying the ride. I love it. And uh, many more to come. So that is it for us and the Monster Squad. And we shall see you next motherfucking week. Love you guys. The Monster Squad.